Bula and welcome to the first Ultimate Fiji Soccer Cup podcast for 2019. We landed in, well, personally I landed in Fiji this morning and I'm currently sitting in the beautiful Radisson Blue Resort and I'm joined by my sole guest today, Tournament Director Bruce Tilt. Bula, it's fantastic to be back in Fiji in such a beautiful country, such a beautiful resort and uh, reacquainting ourselves with uh, some familiar faces. Yeah, Bula Dylan, good to see you again as well. You know, I think Radisson are an outstanding organisation with their, their team that they have in the background looking after people who do come in early in the morning like yourself and finding rooms available for these people as quick as possible. You know, the friendly nature of the, our kids coming into Fiji is just uh, incredible to meet these people. They've always got a smile on their face. They're always happy. There's never a problem for anything. And I think because this is a, this is an annual pilgrimage for a number of people, it's great just to catch up with uh, some old faces as well. Well, it is here. Uh, there's a lot of people I obviously know in Fiji through the football and the different organisations that help us with TTF, with buses and uh, going to islands and all sorts of other activities the kids do. But I think one of the, the big aspects that I'm enjoying at the moment, and today's the first day, we've got over 250 people arriving today and we've got another 250 tomorrow. I'm meeting people who've been here two, three, four and five times. It's quite incredible how many times players have wanted to come back and be involved, not only in the tournament itself, but also the other activities around it and see a bit more of Fiji. Not only are you the tournament director, you're the tournament founder. This year is the 10th anniversary of the Ultimate Fiji Soccer Cup, but quite the milestone. I think it is, actually. You know, there's, there's a lot of tournaments around the world that do go you know, over many years, but um, to be in a country like Fiji and to watch the Fijians, like it's not just about Australian and New Zealand players coming in here. It's Fiji. They want competition. They want to see what's outside their own country. They want to test themselves and... Over 10 years, you get to see a lot of different football. Um, I suppose when we first started, uh, it was just purely boys under 17s. And Fiji's goal was, can we beat New Zealand? That's what it was all about. And they saw New Zealand as this bigger threat. And now, they've, you know, 10 years later, they're not only talking about the boys' 17s, they're talking about right down to their youth, down to their 12s and 10-year-old boys, and they've introduced the girls. And as everyone knows, girls around the world now playing football in massive numbers no different here in Fiji they want to have a go at it and part of our role is to have those development teams coming in and seeing what they can do. There's over 500 Australian and New Zealand players and supporters coming into Fiji for the tournament this year. Uh, You mentioned back in 2010 there was only a handful of teams in in the senior boys competition. Uh, Was the plan always to have a flesh out to, to this sort of size of competition? You know it's interesting because there was a reason to be here. You know, when we first started, they wanted us to bring in teams to play against their teams. And it was all football and just football and how do we improve their football. And we started to talk to them about that and say, well, if you're going to go to the younger categories, then you need to invite the families to see Fiji and understand the culture of what these kids that we're playing against are coming through and where they're from. And the discipline in the Fijian kids has been an incredible difference over the years. You know, they are very happy-go-lucky and, and time-wise is not always, you know, in their favour that they want to be on time, as they call it bullet time all the time. But the idea is that they're learning now that in a day there's 24 hours and you have to be able to spend a certain amount of time education, a certain amount of time in leisure and a certain amount of time in football. And I think looking over those years now, there are a lot more players learning that discipline 
of how to manage themselves. And I, I personally think in the next few years you're going to see more A-League players who are from Fiji. How important is it to have a constant dialogue with football Fiji because because the competition is in partnership with with the, the national body uh, to make sure this is a success because well, this is something to help Fijian soccer improve uh, and really give them another opportunity to play in a structured tournament? Yeah, and it's a bigger picture as well because we've been flushing out Fijian players in New Zealand and Fijian players in Australia and getting them to join some of our teams that are coming across. And they're putting their hand up to the Fijian national coach and saying, I don't currently live in Fiji, but I'm not far away. I want to come and play in this tournament against your best players and show you that I am actually one of the best players as well. And I can join your national program and I can come in and be a national player for you. Over the time, you've been able to see Fijian soccer really grow and achieve some pretty impressive relative success on the international stage. Uh, is there some sense of pride for, for you to see the see players that play in this tournament, such as in last year, Kishan Sami and Kaleta Liku Kalu Kalu, play in this competition and then actually go on and play international soccer? For Fiji, and they've gone on to senior football. They're playing first grade senior football as well. So that, you know, there's a huge benefit to that. But I think also you again have to look outside the picture a little bit more, where they don't become better players just by themselves. You know, the coaching network now um, is, is just incredible. Was what they're occurring here. Ravinesh is their technical director, and the work that he's doing behind the scenes with not many people knowing about it. The number of number of coaches that are now coaching the game. The new programs they've brought in, they've brought in a new Puppers and Mummers program where they're now starting to teach kids younger, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids to kick a ball. It's, it's a big picture of, of, yes, we see the result with the players, we see them coming through and blossoming, and I personally see that, but over the 12 months, Ravenish is behind there and he's pushing hard to get better educated coaches, goalkeeper coaches in specialist positions, um, you know, coaches of different age groups, the genders, the males and females. He's really working hard to get a niche market in every single one of those and make it work. And I was here, you know, only six or eight weeks ago and attended a youth tournament. And, you know, Avanish now is working very hard with referees. And, and he has this broad expanse of young referees who were players and now moved into the referee ranks and want to now make themselves as a mark for refereeing and uh, assistant refereeing positions. All of this is a big picture. This is what's all coming together. Not just players, but administrators, people running the clubs, and even at the highest level in, in uh, Fiji football, their administration level is broadening out now for more people who can do the jobs. What about the benefits for players from Australia and New Zealand going up against players that are do have a lot of physical traits as well as a lot of technical traits that aren't always present when playing in their age groups in Australia and New Zealand, perhaps. And it's interesting too because our players in Australia come from a very diverse background of locations from Broken Hill and Wagga and Yurubadala and Newcastle and different places and some in the city areas, your Adelaides and your Sydney's and these places. They themselves are getting a lot of different football of where they come from and then then joining with players to create our squads and suddenly going into Fiji to play against another culture again. So there's so much happening in their head of do I, I'm meeting my new players, we're playing this system, we're relying on our coaches putting that product together, these kids understand the way they're playing. I must commend you know the Australian Football Federation themselves as far as 
the work they're doing in creating a national curriculum and the way the game's played and the basics of the game. And a lot of players now really understand those, those core basics, the core way to play the game, passing, movement, dribbling, etc. So I think that this is them giving them an opportunity on a personal level to do it within a team structure to add those skills that they personally have in there and, and put it on the international stage to see how it goes. I know you as a as a football coach as well. So you want players thinking about how to play football, not just not just possessing the the actual traits of being a good footballer. Most certainly, most certainly, and we're a little bit lucky here with this tournament as well. That because we do override the tournament, we can introduce rules that we feel will help players and coaches to better understand the game and challenge them in the game. So in a substitute format now, uh, we have a rule that you can bring a player off and put another player on without actually telling the referee himself. As long as the ball is not within the area that you're standing at the moment, it's over the other side of the field, you bring your player off and bring the next one on. The players have to learn then how to rotate across the park to get to an area where they can come off. It is a specific area. So if they can learn how to do that, they're learning how to play other positions to cover that little hole that's been created. And I think both coaches and players are, are enjoying that sort of that setup. Um, there's another rule that we've actually brought into the tournament that says that you get three points for a win and one for a draw and zero for a loss. But you also gain one point if you're the first team to score. Again, we're, we're not just thinking here about coaches. What are they going to do about it? We're looking at the communication between the coaches and the players to say, you know, are we going to go out there and really go hard and push high and try and get this goal and bank this point? Or if a game is, you know, very tight and 0-0, zero, zero, are you going to tactically change things towards the end of the game to again try to get that point? And, and this is something that's not done just by a coach. This is done by the team, the whole team, the coach and the players together. And that's where I think the Australian players have a, have a little bit of advantage to an extent that they're, and the New Zealanders, they're in camp. They're in camp together. Not only do they have opportunities to sit and talk and chat all the time, they can put blackboards up, they can actually have a lot of time to spend with their players to get that point across. In the 2019 edition of the competition, we've got teams from New South Wales, South Australia, as well as three teams from New Zealand, which I think is great to see. There's been New Zealand teams in the past, including Manukau, who, who added so much to last year's competition. And, of course, they're back this year along with uh, New Zealand All-Stars and Auckland City. It's great to have three teams from across the ditch involved in the competition, no doubt. I think it's fantastic. You know, they're all boys' teams, so we're working hard to actually bring the girls in as well. I think that's something we want to do. Uh, quite a few years ago, we had the New Zealand National Under-17 team come in. Um, they came in to, in preparation for tournaments that were coming up. They, they struck some very good opposition with our Australian teams. Actually, they were a bit surprised at the quality that we were able to put up against them. Um, we'd like to see you know, that happening again, more, more girls' teams coming in and joining the boys as well. But again, it's that, that little nice little triangle now that we have where we've got New Zealand, we've got Fiji and Australia, and everybody's in there wanting to play each other and enjoy each other's company afterwards. On a bigger scale as well, you know, New Zealand uh, had Rob Sherman there as their uh, national director of coaching, and he's now moved to Australia. And we had a meeting with him only a couple of weeks ago and listened to his philosophy and what he wants to see changes in the game. And I, I couldn't help but think, hey, you've just come out of New Zealand. Yeah, those are the ideas that you threw at them, and now you're throwing at us. And so uh, are they going to, you know, we're going to get an insight here into what each other are thinking, or are we going down the Rob Sherman way? It's going to be interesting to have some coaches' meetings and talk to their coaches about their thoughts of the game and what's happening with them. Because when you speak to Australian coaches, New Zealand coaches, and inevitably Fijian coaches, they're all 
basically it's a learning process for you as well. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Their ideas of uh, of what they think about the game. The Fiji national coach uh, Christophe Gamble was, you know, from the French background and and had a very technical aspect of what he wanted to occur and where players had to be and and how they would go forward with the ball. And I think one of the you know, the pillars that he that he he lost out a little bit was on that defensive side of things. That that ability to be able to create a block defence and prevent teams from coming through and scoring goals against them. But with the ball, though, fluent movement was great. Um, we, we loved seeing that, and, and we're scared of that. You know, as Australians, we, we play against these Fijians thinking, OK, they might be a little bit, uh, you know, open at the back and we can score goals, but they're going to hurt you as well. They're going to get forward very, very quickly, and they just love shooting. So we are talking at about 5pm on Saturday afternoon, about over half of the people from Australia and New Zealand are in Fiji now. There's more coming tomorrow, but uh, what, what are the plans for tomorrow? Yeah, another big day tomorrow. Uh, another couple of hundred people coming in throughout the day as the older age groups start to move in. Younger teams will start their games, so our, our boys' development will be starting off with a mini tournament with Latoka and Nandy. It's just something to get them feet running and get used to the heat and, uh, and as far as the hot weather is concerned with hydration and those sorts of things. The youth teams will actually be, uh, well, the junior teams are actually starting their competition. They have quite a number of teams in their comp, so they'll be starting their games. It'll be live action right from day one, 9am tomorrow. Um, we're looking forward to seeing uh, the teams and how they perform, but uh, also the officials as well. You know, we've got a lot of new officials in as well. They've got to understand some of the new little rules that we put in. But I, I think there's an excitement around the place. And even though there's only a couple of hour time change between Australia, New Zealand uh, and Fiji, there is that little bit of jet lag in there, which adds to that international experience. Kids need to get to bed tonight. Even though they're excitable, they need to get to bed, get up early and, and, and get to their games on time. We're looking forward to uh, what I think will be a great start to the tournament. The weather is beautiful, it's sunshine. And uh, I, I just think that overall, we've got you know, players in there, we've got supporters in there. Everybody just wants to get to see the game. And on Monday, the opening ceremony is occurring in Latoka this year, Churchill Park. One of the tournament highlights. Can you discuss what's planned for planned for that? Yeah, that's a great day. You know, it's um, an opportunity where all teams will be in Latoka, and, and you know, we'll be up to nearly a thousand people by the time we get all our players and supporters in there. It's a very short ceremony, right in the middle of the day, twelve o'clock, um, where we have a couple of speeches. But we do have a march past with all the players coming into the ground. Churchill Park's a fabulous stadium. You know, it's quite unique the way it's been set up, and it'll be a great picture for everybody to see. Um, I, I think it's a great opportunity for Fiji football to welcome the uh, international guests as well and uh, meet up with some of their officialdom straight after those couple of speeches, which are only going to go for a brief time. We'll be seeing a select Australian team play against a select Fiji team in the girls' 16s age group. This is going to be fascinating because the girls' 16s from Fiji uh, were due to go away for their international tournament uh, and they've been pulled back. FIFA's decided to uh, suspend the tournament at the moment. So this is going to be uh, an incredible game where Fiji can grab some of their best under-16 players and put them together on one side against the select Australian side uh, who will be a little bit underdone because it'll be their first game. But I'm looking for a spectacular tournament and it'll be a great uh, advertisement for football. And uh, you know the women's game in, in, in Fiji is expanding incredibly and, and I think this will be great for it. And just before I let you go, Bruce, what do you think will be the biggest takeaway for, for the kids involved in this week's tournament away from the football pitch? Away from the football pitch, 
Oh, you know, there's so many highlights as far as I'm concerned. We've tried to put a few little surprises in there for them to go and, and really indulge in the culture of Fiji and really get down to the local ones, the local people, and find out exactly what it's all about with them. A couple of surprises for a few of the guys where they're going to some special villages where uh, they'll be wearing uh, the saru, and, uh, you know, it'll be something totally different, something they'll be blown away with, and I'm really excited about that. Everyone has these opportunities to meet local Fijians at their level. And it's a very humbling experience. I've experienced it. I want these kids and these families to experience it. And I think at the end of the week, we're having a lot of people coming up saying that was a wonderful week. It's certainly going to be a sensational week, Bruce. I really appreciate your time. I believe you, you've got to go pick up another plane full of, of people in a moment. Uh, so thanks for your time. Thank you, Dylan. Looking forward to it. and looking forward to your podcast as well. We have to get the news out there. And uh, Fiji themselves have a, a broad network of newspapers and radio programs that are coming in to get involved with us. And your work so far up to date, where you've been getting news items out all over Australia to the local newspapers, they've been taking them on. They've been throwing them out there in the newspapers. It's been on their little websites and different things. It's been great to see. I think everybody is spotting the fact that Fiji Cup is on. Everyone seems to know everyone in football and there's a real buzz in Australia and New Zealand and Fiji about the tournament. Yeah, there's plenty of stories to tell and hopefully we'll be able to get a few of them across in the podcast, which you'll be able to find wherever you found this particular podcast. So until tomorrow, Vanaka for now.